tradition and our culture in this world today than Thanksgiving, simply because we live in a culture where we are consumed. Uh, everybody is so consumed with complaining about what they want instead of being thankful about what they have. But we're so blessed. And we had a, I, the Simpsons had a great Thanksgiving. We got to see family. The Cowboys won um, in spectacular fashion. Um, but uh, it's a wonderful thing. And I'm thankful for many things. And I could stand up here and wax eloquent or wax not so eloquent about how many things I'm thankful for. But there's one thing that has been on my mind as I've prepared for this particular sermon, and that is that I'm thankful for my family. And specifically, I mean, I'm thankful for these guys. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my three beautiful sons. But I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for two older brothers. But my parents, my par- I had parents, you know, I, I like to joke, uh, I had a horrible drug problem growing up, that, was, that I was drugged to church by my parents. I'm so thankful that my parents drugged me to church. There were days when I was excited to go, and I got up, probably not as willingly as I would like to imagine, and I got ready more willingly after I woke up a little bit. And there was days where I probably fought tooth and nail not to come. But I grew up in a home where we were in church. We were there on Wednesday. We were there on Sunday. We were there Sunday night. If there was something going on Saturday, we were there. My parents still do this. I'm so thankful because it had such a huge impact on my life. I mean, I literally would not be who I am without my parents dragging me to church. Now, I'm full of a room. We're full here together of families or pieces of families. And most of these pieces of family, uh, well, your kids have to drag their own kids to church. But let me tell you, one of the most important parts of my parents dragging me to church was they drug me to a place where I had a larger family, a church family. And that church family had an incredible impact on my life, just as much as my parents. So let's look in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 7, hopefully to kind of frame the, the thoughts for today. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7, of course, we're right here at the end of what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is, well, goodness, if you don't know what the Sermon on the Mount is, Google it, okay? And, uh, and then actually just open your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 5 and read the next three chapters. Uh, but uh, it's a, an incredible passage of Scripture. It's been quoted more than you can imagine. And Jesus, wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he is describing for the listeners what it means to truly follow God and to truly be his follower, he says, therefore, in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house Upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, 
and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this sermon. Lord, I pray you would help uh, this sermon to come through clearly, that we might understand uh, really the truths here, and that we'll walk away with a new uh, desire to include our family in our church worship. But not only to do that, but to be part of this family in such a way that we have impact on others uh, around us. God, I pray you just help this time to be about you, not about me, not about anybody else. Help it to be about you and how we might better serve and and love you and follow you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. My parents talked about my parents dragging me to church. What my parents did is they founded their life upon a rock. They founded their life upon Jesus, on the foundation that he laid for the church and the, the people that he left behind for, the, uh, for us to serve in, those of us who call ourselves Christian, Christians. My parents built a house that was on a rock, and we faced storms. My dad, when I was a, a boy growing up, uh, my dad was a law, in law enforcement for almost 30 years. He, he started with the city of Bedford as a jailer in 1972. And, and he had that job and continued to develop his skills and to climb the ladder until when I, when I was about nine years old, he was, uh, he was hired to be the chief of police. And he was a big man in town. But about six years later... They asked my dad to retire, not because of anything necessarily that he had done, but because there was his city manager didn't really like him. They had they clashed, they had different goals, and, and she being the city manager and having the abilities, she was able to remove him. And they did. My dad had a whole career change in the middle of his life at my sophomore year of high school. Uh, uh, we've faced all kinds of trials. Heart issues. My dad has a heart transplant. My mother has had has a, a a genetic cancer called renal cell carcinoma that will eat you up and kill you. Uh, they've lost businesses. They they've weathered so much. But you know what? My parents and the children that they've raised have lived steady lives because my parents took their kids to church. It's so incredibly important. The church is. We, uh, it's so easy for us to get excited about church. Many new believers do. They get excited about church. They get involved and, and uh, they, they decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little deeper. I'm going to try to serve. I'm going to serve in this new way. And then they look around and they see the flaws among us and they get discouraged and then they leave the church. If you've been in church very long, you've seen it happen many times. But for those of us who've had the blessing of growing up in church, it is, it's easy for us to forget how integral this is to our life. But this is our community. We're talking about bringing in the kingdom. Furthering the kingdom was last year's theme. This year it's branching out, wanting to, uh, to, to share the gospel with others in new ways. Uh, Listen, this space here, this this congregation here and those that are missing from among us, we are a community of the kingdom of God. 
We're bringing it into the world right here. And I can't tell you how blessed I've been to be part of a vibrant, loving church. And I think you could look back, many of you, at Berean or at Northwest of old or at your church you grew up in, maybe Marty, your churches you grew up in in Missouri or Spring Valley Baptist Church where Melissa grew up. And you can remember the ministries that you were part of and the people and how much an impact they had. It's huge. Family and church go together. In fact, uh, uh, Paul, in writing Ephesians, chapter 5 and 6, he made a very close parallel between the church and the family. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church. So church and family, they go together. And this community is maybe more important than any other community you're part of. Any other organization. So how can you involve your church, or your, excuse me, your family with your church? Well, first, I suggest you pray together for your church. You know, throughout the New Testament, you see the church praying together and for one another. Uh, the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, you see the church praying together on multiple occasions. Throughout the epistles, you hear Paul talking about, and the other apostles like Peter talking about how, the, the, uh, how they are reading, or excuse me, they are praying for the readers, the people who were going to receive that letter. He, they were praying for them. Ephesians 1, 16, a good example, cease not to give. Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He repeats words like that all throughout all of his books that he writes. You also hear Paul asking the reader to pray for him and for one another. Why? Why does he ask them to pray? Why does he pray for them? Uh, let me ask you, is prayer important? Is prayer powerful? You know, there's probably nothing more that you can do for your church than to pray for your church. And I'm not talking about just her ministries or, or like last week, Brother Lester uh, uh, preached a wonderful sermon about praying for your leaders and praying for me. More than that, pray for one another. We need to be in prayer for each other. We need, why, why is that? Because there's probably nobody, there, not probably, there is nobody else that cares more for the church than God. Jesus cares tremendously. Uh, we'll talk about how much in a little while, but, but Jesus cares. Jesus will hear these prayers and he will intervene. How can we pray? Well, uh, you could do as Lester talked about last week and pray for your spiritual leaders. You can pray for spiritual protection for them. Pray for uh, protection from moral failure. You can pray for uh, their families. You can pray for them to receive encouragement. But you can also, for this church, for one another, pray for uh, the gospel to change our lives. Listen, this book has in it the words of life. Jesus... Uh, Eric was talking this morning about his, his 12, the 12, you know, the 12 that were following him and, and some of the things he carried uh, them through and the other disciples that were, had been following to that point with them. And, and uh, Jesus asked them, he told them, hey, I'm, 
I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. He didn't tell them quite plainly as that, but he started to reveal this plan to them. And many of the disciples left and said, I, that's not what I signed up for. And they knew if they were going to follow a leader who was going to die for something, that that may, might mean that they'd have to die too. They weren't ready to sign up for that. But he turned to the 12 and he said, will you also leave me? And what did they say? No. Who? You have the words of life. This book, this gospel has in it words of eternal life. Words that are, are so powerful, they're held up at sporting events. John 3.16, you see almost at every sporting event, someone holding up that sign. John 3.16. And you don't have to put the whole verse on there because everybody knows it. Even in, our, uh, even in our broken world, there's many people who know that verse having no understanding of what it truly means. This gospel has the words of life. In fact, they are words that will change our life. And we should be praying for one another that the gospel will continually change our lives. Uh, you, might, you might go, well, Brother Darren, the gospel's already changed my life. I've received forgiveness of sins, and, 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 and I, I'm saved, and I have assurance of my salvation. I've been baptized, and I'm, I'm now part of this community of, of believers, and, and we love one another, and we fellowship together, and we spend time together. Uh, I hope we can do that more. And, and you might say that and think, man, I've arrived. But no, the gospel will continue to change your life. It should continue to work in you, and we should pray that for each other. We should pray that, uh, uh, that there's continual unity within our body. Praise God, that's something we have been blessed with for quite a long time. But as change happens and as we push to share the gospel more, I'm telling you, the devil wants to bring in division. We need to pray for unity. We need to pray for our impact in the community. And I'm not talking about the impact necessarily that this church can have uh, leaving this gate out here in our parking lot and going out into this community. I'm talking about the church in your community. I live in a community. We ought to pray that there's a gospel impact being made in, uh, in Memorial Town Home Association. Brother Eric, they, they bought a house over here off of 290 and... I don't remember where else it is, Tidwell maybe, somewhere around that way. He lives in a neighborhood, a nice little neighborhood. Not a very big neighborhood, just a few streets it seems, unless there's more of it than I, than I remember. And, but there, we ought to pray that there's an impact taking place in Eric's community. We ought to pray for that. We ought to pray for the heart. We ought to pray that we have a heart for lost people, that we have a heart for the homeless people that are out here, that we... That we continue to hold forth and cling to sound doctrine. We should pray for our Sunday worship. We should pray for our Wednesday night services. <clears throat> we should pray for our Sunday school classes. We should, listen, lead your family to pray for this church and those that are part of it. You also, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to get some water. Not the only one is froggy this morning, Eric. Y'all need to wake up a little bit, okay? I can feel the turkey still working on you. Another thing you can do to, to involve your family in church is to worship together at church. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, 
which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should worship together. Those last couple of verses is an invitation to worship together. Verse, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Hey, if you want to involve your family in church, or you want to pray for the other smaller families in this church that they'll involve their families, pray that they will assemble at church. We, we broadcast, we try to broadcast our sermons on Facebook, and we're going to try to open that ministry up a little further. And, and, and you didn't know this, but before your, your pastor right now is the opportunity to build a new church website that will have the ability to broadcast directly to our church website. We, we put our sermons on a website called Sermon Audio that logs all of those. And in fact, we put uh, brother, many of Brother Eric's Sunday School lessons there as well. We do that so that those who miss church or those who are unable to come can, can enjoy those messages, can hopefully grow in their faith as they follow the Lord themselves. But we don't do it as a means of replacing coming to church. I had the blessing of uh, talking with a young man who's considering our church. They reached out to us through our church website, and he talked about his, his, um, his habit of late has been to just kind of do church online. And I tried to impress upon him how important it is that, that he be part of a church. It's God's plan for every Christian to be part of a local church. It's hard to be a part of a church if you don't come. It's hard to assemble if you're not assembled together. There's churches, of course. There's the church model of, of uh, you know, the satellite churches. They all listen to one preacher, one guy on the screen. I'm sorry. that I don't think that's the model that we see in the Bible. Those churches have these huge broadcast ministries, and they encourage people to attend church at home. Do it any way you can. I, listen, I, I'm happy that people can can watch broadcast, and I'm happy that uh, people can listen to the, the, the sermons that I preach here. But you know what? What, what, was, what did the writer of Hebrews just say? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. A Zoom meeting is not an assembly. He's talking about a physical moment together. Assemble at church. There's... What kind of worship? There's all kinds of different forms of worship. We've talked about praying together, but you know when we sing? When we sing, guys, who are we singing to? I mean, do you think about that? I mean, are you, are you just singing so you look good in front of everybody else? I've done that. Are you just singing so that the, the song leader will be placated? I, I've done that. Are you just singing because, well, that's what we do. We just come to church and we got to sing two and a half songs and then listen to a preacher yell at us for a while. I've done that. Have you ever sang? 
And in that moment, realize that you're singing to a holy God. A Savior who shed his blood for you. We should, it should be worship. Singing together. Learning together. Uh, one of the things I, I am so blessed to have witnessed with my own family was serving. Serving together. My, uh, I, I don't want to preach too much about my parents, I guess, but I'm going to say a little bit more. My parents served in church. I remember uh, we, were, we were members of a church, the one uh, that was before the church I kind of grew up at, Northeast Baptist Church. It was called Lakeland Street Baptist Church. And Lakeland Street Baptist Church, but Lester knew the pastor over there, Brother Jernigan. And um, <clears throat> I remember as a little boy, I mean really little, I was in Cubbies and Awanas, and I mean really little. I remember going there, and my parents taught classes. They served in Sunday school. My, my dad taught Sparky's, okay? If y'all remember what Sparky's is. Was, and I got, to, I got to see that continue as we went to Northeast. And when I was a boy, my mom was my Sunday school teacher. Sorry, boys, I had the same experience. It worked out. My dad became a deacon, not out of his desire, but the church moved that my dad should become a deacon of that church, and they have served faithfully in that church for 30-plus years. They've led children's ministries. They're doing it now. When Awana changed her doctrines and changed her pursuit, my parents, I remember sitting at home and playing video games or doing my homework or, or whatever, and I remember my parents, who often would watch sitcoms in the evening before bed, and uh, instead of doing that for months, they sat and they worked on a computer, and they planned an entirely new children's ministry for a summer to replace Awana, to get back to what biblical teaching should be taking place on that Wednesday night children's ministry. I got to witness that. But beyond that, I, I got to witness the ministry of so many other adults and parents that were in my church. People like Jerry and Debbie Hale, Barry and Christy Wells, Gabe and Michelle Guess. Y'all might have met them, some of you. Uh, uh, Jerry and Gwenda Summy, John and Lisa Summy. I mean, I could list family after family, people who not only were serving in that church, but I was there while they were doing it. And I got to see it. And I learned from them. And I experienced love from them. And I, they, they shared their life with me. For Melissa, it was other families in her church, like the Dotsons and, and, uh, and the Cruz family and, and the Carters. That was her family. And for you, those of you who, who spent time at Berean, it was, uh, I, I can't imagine the Sams not serving in, at Berean. Or... The Sims serving here and at Berean. Or the Simpsons serving here and at Berean. Or the, or the, Eller, the Ehlers. I'm probably going to mispronounce that and George is going to correct me later. Or the Michaelinas family. The Hudsons. Or the Hudnells. Ralph Hudnell. I, you know, he, he raised his family in church and it had a tremendous impact on them, but his impact didn't stop there, did it? 
It had a huge impact on everyone around him. So much so that that we still talk about his love and his compassion and his desire to share the gospel. Here at Northwest, it's been the Nussburgers, the De Los Santos, Frank and Linda, so many that have poured themselves into church and because they were serving, it wasn't just their family that benefited, it was all the church family that grew together. I'm talking about a, 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 a place where we grow together, where families are, are, are continually developing together. And because of that type of environment for myself and for my wife at least, we wouldn't be who we are without church. I wouldn't have gone to church camp if it wasn't for adults who took us to church camp. I wouldn't look up to my brothers and some of the ways that I look up to them if they hadn't been the first to go to church camp and I got to hear about their testimonies, the things God was working in their life. I'm telling you, our presence at church is far more important than you can imagine. Our worshiping and serving together is far more valuable than I can convey this morning. It's changed my life. I, I not only grew because of the wonderful examples, I also saw some poor examples and learned some valuable lessons about what it looks like to have an ugly business meeting for a guy to lose his temper because of the drama ministry. I mean, we get to grow if we're part of the community, but you know, if you're set at home on video games or watching the Cowboy game, because I know you don't want to watch the Texans, It's really hard to grow with this family if you're not here. To to kind of sum up that second point, worship together at the church, how about you be a part of your church family? I mean, be a part of it. Your family needs this church family. And this church family needs your family. And last, we should pray together. Worship together at the church. We should learn to love the church together. I'm going to tell you just straight up. Everything you see at church is not always going to be lovely. Man, this is a house full of sinners. A house full of selfish people. A house full of people who sometimes are really short-sighted and don't see the whole picture. A house full of people who sometimes lose their temper because they don't fully understand how someone else is approaching them. The love they have for each other. Let me tell you, we should love this church. I want my boys to love this church. I want them to be comfortable here, to to. Gosh, I want them to go outside and run and play and just hopefully not knock anybody down. I mean, we need to love this church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people, the community, the ministries. We need to love this church. Why? Because if you look around you, you'll realize that, maybe it'll help you to realize that Jesus shed his blood 
for this body of believers. I don't know what you think about when you get ready for church in the morning. I don't know what you what goes through your mind. Um, in my flesh, I can imagine that there's times where you go, man, I don't want to go up there with those hypocrites. Or, man, that's, that guy is really getting on my nerves now. I, but I guess I'll go. We'll, we'll downplay the value of each other and this, this body. We're easy. and we're, It's easy for us to do that. We're good at doing that. But do you realize that Jesus shed his blood? This church was bought. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.24, you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Or what about that reference to Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. This is a precious thing, this church. Northwest Baptist Church, bought by the blood of Christ. As I was thinking, I was when we were driving home uh, uh, Friday, we drove <clears throat> home from North Texas Friday. It's about a four and a half hour trip, and longer if you have three boys with you. And uh, I was thinking about these people in my life. These these churches of old that I remember. How, you know, uh, there's that saying, I wish you knew when you were in the good old days. Sometimes you don't always know when you're in the good old days (laughs) until they're past. This church has all the potential to be a wonderful, loving home to kids, to adults, to older folks, a place where you're comfortable, a place where you're loved, a place where you have a greater sense of purpose, a place where we can grow together. We ought to love it. And next week, I'm going to preach about cherishing it. Back in Matthew 7. Jesus died for this church. He died for all believers. but He died for every church. The believers therein. But in verse 21, before he had said those last few words about the parable of the two builders, he, he said this, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, this 
this church is about sharing the gospel. And Jesus is talking about those who have never trusted in the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you never trusted Jesus Christ, let me tell you, when it says John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's talking about every lost sinner. Every one of you that have tried to be good enough or to work hard enough or to pay enough or to attend enough or to whatever, to be enough. He sent his son to die for you because you're never going to be enough. And the invitation is that you believe in him. Not in yourself anymore. That you believe that you need a savior and that Jesus is the only one you got. That you believe in his blood. That it pays for your sin. And that you can have everlasting life. We need to love the church. It's hard to love the church if you're not part of a church. It's hard to love the church if you're not a true Christian. Maybe you're here today and you never trusted Christ. I'm going to invite you to do that. But if you're part of the church, if you're a believer, I want to draw your attention back last to verse 24. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Maybe today you need to refound your life upon a rock. Maybe today you need to, to remember the value of your church membership and how important it was to you when you were a kid or when you were growing in your faith and make sure that others in your family are part of it. I'm going to encourage you just to respond to how God wants you to respond today. Let's stand together.